Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Mixed Tag. It's your man, Jared Watson, here alongside the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Keith White. Keith, how are we doing this week? I know you're good every week, but you're feeling a little bit extra excited this week. We get to talk about my all-time favorite arcade game, WrestleFest, and the sequel to WrestleFest, which I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Later in the show, you'll find out. But yes, I'm excited. The 12-year-old in me is excited. 12-year-old Keith's coming out for this episode, guys. But all good things must wait. Uh, But first, we're going to introduce to you our opening contest. We're going to give you guys a little bit of AEW Dynamite results from this week. So AEW Dynamite putting out another great episode of their weekly show headlined by a couple of championship matches. The first of all was a tag team championship match between Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega facing off against Jimmy Havoc and Superbad Kip Sabian. Now, Keith, starting off with a championship match, you know you're going to have a good show, and that they did not disappoint in this case. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because Bruce Pritchard um, from the WWE always talks about that the opening match used to be called the Curtain Jerker, And, you know, some people think of it as an insult, but I think it's a great way to kick off a show. Like, if you're at the opener or the closer, you're in a great spot. And they did not disappoint. It was a fantastic tag team match, great wrestling, you know, some elements of suspense, some near falls where you didn't know if Omega and Paige were going to retain, but that's what happened. Yeah, and when you could tell a story like that and have Kenny and Hangman almost lose the titles to a team that's just kind of just formed all of a sudden. They're fairly new to the game, and they have best friends on the outside of the ring looking in. You know, They're the number one contenders, and they're going to be fighting for those championships at Fighter Fest, so they wanted to see their competition in action there. Uh, but Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega did retain the tag titles, and I, I love this team, and they're not a traditional tag team, right? They're, they're more singles competitors who teamed up for one time, and just went with it and i love this team i think they're going to be great at fighter fest but that was that match hangman and kenny omega retaining and then we get a little bit of promo action here keith we have a video shown with tully blanchard and sean spears meeting in their suv and tully says quote okay sean i think the search for spears is over with i have the missing piece right here keith we talked about back from double or nothing we wanted sean spears to have a legitimate shot at an aew run right we want him to be known for who he is he's a great competitor we didn't want him to get buried you know this might help him a lot you know they were looking he was looking for a tag team partner but now he looks like he's going towards the solo route what do you think with that I'm totally good with that. Um, I think that for now, I could see him right in smack dab in that TNT championship picture. Uh, And I think that's a great place for him to be right now. He'd be excellent against Cody, uh, although I think Cody's going to have a bunch of different challengers. But, you know, he could get in a program with somebody who's going to elevate him. And I look forward to seeing what they're going to do. But I'm glad that they are giving him some highlighted situations. Yeah, he's one of those guys who who can be a top face or a top heel no matter where you put him. I think AEW is going to work wonders for this guy because he wasn't necessarily used as to what we were expecting in WWE. But anyway, we had a little bit of promo action there. But our next match was between AEW's newest acquisition, The Machine, Brian Cage, accompanied by Taz, of course. He faced off against Sean Dean here. Now, this is another one of those matches where they're trying to get Cage as over as possible because Sean Dean didn't have a chance in this match, Keith. Um, 
do you think the buildup of Brian Cage is appropriate, you know, with Taz and everything, uh, heading into his match for the AEW world title against John Moxley? Absolutely, because when you have a situation right now where we're all, you know, sheltering in place with COVID-19, you need to be able to build up a guy. And so you need to have these squash matches to show this is what this guy can do. And I think that, you know, maybe they're maybe they should be using some of the AEW talent to do that. But the problem is if you do that with one of those bigger names, you're going to bury your bigger name. And there's they're a small roster, um, so they really can't do that. So I think what the approach they're using, which is old school, it'll work. Um, old school almost always does. Right, definitely. And I, I think that um, Brian Cage is going to give Moxley a run for his money. I don't think Moxley's taking him as seriously as they're trying to build up. But, you know, Moxley's that badass guy. And you, last night off air, we were watching the show together, and you said Moxley was a mix between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Sandman. So can you go in a little bit on that really quickly? Sure. Well, he is, you know, he's he's pretty much like the toughest SOB in AEW. That's how they built him up to be. But he's also a man of the people, you know, coming out from the crowd, doing what he wants. He's super cool. You know, so he's got that situation where he's got that charisma, that magnetism, um, that it factor that just draws people in, just like Stone Cold Steve Austin did. You know, he's got he feels like an everyman. You know, he feels like the guy that's going to be at the bar, eight beers deep. Somebody acts a fool over at the pool table. And next thing you know, he's leading the charge. That's what he feels like. Yeah. And he, he's a fan favorite, no doubt, from his attitude. And you know what? It doesn't matter how big you are, how strong you are. Moxley's going to get right in your face and say, if you want this championship, you got to go through me. And it's not going to be easy. So Brian Cage getting a big push here in AEW, defeating another, let's just say it, another jobber, right? Going on to the next. A uh, little segment here. We have a little promo action again, this time with Alex Marvez, a uh, reporter for AEW. Uh, he was on location at a construction site and found the Murderhawk monster himself, Lance Archer, assaulting a random wrestler. And he wanted to get an interview about his loss from the TNT Championship with Cody. And basically, Lance Archer said, you think one loss means anything? And, and he says, he's a monster. He's going to be a monster. He's going to continue to be who he is. And he's going to not stop until he gets any sort of gold and jake roberts apologized to alex i mean he felt sorry for how lance was treating him uh, keith do you think jake being apologetic is really going to make lance archer look big and bad like he says he is i think it's a lot of uh deceit and shadow games uh because as he always says never trust a snake so i don't know what he's planning on doing with that but I think that the message was clear. You know, this is not somebody who's going to, you know, let this loss affect him at all. He's going to keep pushing. I, I kind of like what they did with the Battle Royal last week because you got to see there's some big guys in AEW, Luchasaurus and Billy Gunn. I, I spoke to you off air. You know, Billy Gunn stood toe-to-toe with Luchasaurus, and he was the exact same size. Billy Gunn is built like Hulk Hogan, but back in the old days when he was with WWF, they didn't highlight him that way. They always shot the camera angle so he looked like he was sizable uh, to Road Dog. It's very interesting to see just how many guys they have in this company, a mixture of smaller guys, but also just huge beasts. Yeah, for sure. They have a, a good mix when it comes to size and shape. And Lance Archer is that big guy 
that you want to see at the head of your either your world's championship or even the TNT championship. So we'll see how Lance is going to uh, what he's going to do from here, because I really think Lance is going to be a big, big factor in that AEW World Heavyweight Championship scene. But Keith, we have yet another little segment here with Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Uh, they were at a bar and they caught up with broken Matt Hardy. Well, at least Matt Hardy from maybe back in the day. Matt was asking Mark Quinn how his knee was feeling because he he was injured in the match uh, last week between them and the Young Bucks and Matt. And uh, Matt helped Quinn backstage. You know, they were being all buddy-buddy. And Matt Hardy really gave Private Party a compliment here. He said that Private Party reminded him so much of him and his brother Jeff. And the Private Party really took that to heart because – they do all these high-flying things like the Hardys did, you know, back in the day. So Matt and them are kind of getting a little bit of a bond here, and Private Party said they're going to start calling it a Hardy Party. So, Keith, where do you think this is going to go with, between Matt Hardy and Private Party? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Sometimes I, I wonder what Matt Hardy's role is. Is he going to be, you know, in-ring long? Is he going to be a mentor? But that's the highest praise that he could give a team is to say that he reminds them of Matt and Jeff because these guys are – uh, on the Mount Rushmore somewhere, you know, of tag teams. So he couldn't have given them any higher praise. And I'd be interested to see, you know, if they have like a mentorship role or if it's going to lead to a match somewhere down the line. You never know, but it's going to be neat regardless. And it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, I think a combination of Matt and private party could be something that they could build and work off of. But where does that leave Matt and the Young Bucks, right? And the elite, you know, is that just going to go by the wayside? We don't know. Um, that's what EW is all about. We don't really know what's going to happen. But private party getting some accolades there. They haven't been on an episode of Dynamite in a long time uh, after last week. So anyway, moving on, we got another match here. One of Keith's friends and one of his favorite competitors, Boom Boom Cole Cabana facing Le Champion and Chris Jericho in a one-on-one -on -one match. Um, Keith and I, it was kind of sad when we were talking and watching the uh, AEW last night, or Wednesday night. We said, yeah, I, we think this is going to be a competitive match, but ultimately Chris Jericho is going to win. And he did. So, Keith, give us a little bit of insight on what you thought about this match. I thought it was really competitive, and I thought that it was actually really respectful to Colt Cabana's status as a veteran. Um, it went back and forth. Uh, you know, they, they did a really good job of, of building the matchup and making the two of them equals. Uh, the cool thing about Jericho's finisher is that he hits it out of nowhere. So, uh, and that, that puts him in like the Ric Flair spot. You know, Ric Flair actually got beat up and lost more matches than he won during his 16-time uh, championship reigns. You know, he people don't realize that he was so good because he made everyone else look so good. And that's kind of the situation with Jericho with his finisher. can be hit at any time. So he'd be, he'd be getting his butt whooped for 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes and 59 mark, he hits uh, the Judas effect and he wins. So, you know, he makes anybody look strong and can still get hit by that and not have to uh, worry about losing their spot, as they say. So... It's just neat. It's neat to see. And I guess that was their first time ever wrestling together. So that was really interesting as well. They did a great, if they've never stepped in a ring together, you would never know it. Yeah. It seems like there was a lot of chemistry there, even though it was their first time, but they were two professionals, you know, going in the ring two uh, veterans in the ring. And it's, it just turned out to be a great match. But here's the thing, Keith, after the match, Chris Jericho, once again, called out Mike Tyson saying he wanted Mike Tyson's blood, but Mike Tyson didn't come out. 
Orange Cassidy did. Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy came out and confronted Jericho. And whenever Jericho tried to get a punch in or a clothesline, Cassidy just ducked out of the way like it was nothing, like it was ease. Where do you think this is going to lead uh, between Jericho and Orange Cassidy? Because Orange Cassidy, as we know, is one of the most entertaining people on the AEW roster. Yeah, I think that Orange Cassidy is one of the most entertaining people in wrestling today. And I think that when you have a guy with the comedic timing of Jericho, you know, their their feud, if they decide to have one, could have the same temper tantrum situation in WCW that brought us the most favorite part of Jericho that we love, which is the list, right? So I think that these two could really make some magic together. I'd be interested to see what they do in ring as well, because we're just scratching the surface of what Orange Cassidy can actually do in a wrestling ring for AEW audiences. So I'm looking forward to seeing whatever they decide to do with this. Yeah. And then, you know what, Keith, it could be one of those situations where Jericho is going to help Cassidy, you know, break into the AEW scene like he does for so many other people. But going on to the next match, we have Big Swole versus the Native Beast, Nyla Rose. Now, Keith, this was a pretty entertaining match for a women's match. Um, And, you know, AEW's women's competitors aren't the best, you know, compared to WWE or whatever. But Nyla Rose picking up the win here. But we also saw something between Big Swole and Dr. Britt Baker. Now, before the match, there was a, a training video of Dr. Britt Baker's road to recovery from her injury. And after the match, Swole did an interview on the side of the ring. And Britt Baker got in her face with her wheelchair uh, Royals Royce, as she liked to call it. So <laughs> I love the fact that they're using Dr. Britt Baker even when she's down and out. She's still a big part of the show because she's really is the face of their women's division. She's... Um that kind of performer who's so versatile. We just talked about Chris Jericho. Her training uh, montage was hilarious, you know, uh, over-exaggerated, um, you know, things that, that she didn't need to do to actually heal up. You know, she plays her role very well. So it's nice to see that she's still part of the show, but also she can put people over like Big Swole and be an antagonist to the whole division. Yeah. She is, even though she is supposed to be a heel and she's a great heel, I love Dr. Britt Baker. I mean, she's my favorite women's competitor, besides Penelope Ford, obviously. But yeah, Britt Baker, you know, with her injuries, she's going to play this out, and it's going to be awesome. And we can't wait to see her back sometime soon. Hopefully September, she said. But next, we have the sit-down interview with FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler, also known as The Revival, formerly known as The Revival. And Keith, during the interview, it was interrupted uh, by The Butcher and The Blade who they attacked in their debut last week. And they're going to have a match next week. They're going to have their first match in AEW. So Keith, what do you expect to see from FTR? Um, FTR, I expect to see the same type of uh, matches they've always had because they're phenomenal. Um, but I expect them to to have to probably go through some teams like the Butcher and the Blade is going to be the first victim, if you want to call it that. And because they need to be built up, they're going to be built up to be a major player, even though most uh, wrestling fans who like both brands will know exactly who they are. They still need to be put through and and shown, you know, kind of like a Brian Cage, but maybe with, uh, you know, some more established teams. So I could see them easily moving on from the Butcher of the Blade and working their way up because I think that it's going to be a nice little climb and then eventually hitting those tag champs. Young Bucks are coming too. Yeah, and we talked off air how we think AEW has the best tag team division by far, and they solidified that. Uh, debuting last week and they're gonna have their first match next week on dynamite so we don't want to miss that 
but really quickly, Keith, we're, we're coming down to the, the, the nitty gritty here with AEW Dynamite for this week. Uh, before we get to our main event, uh, Alex Marvez interviewed Cole Cabin after his loss to Jericho. And then Mr. Brody Lee interrupted the interview. And he says, here's a quote from him. It's what you do after a loss. Colt, I can help you with that. So what are we thinking here with Colt? Is he going to join the Dark Order, Keith? Uh, I hope not. I mean, it might be a way to, to like, you know, invigorate his character a little bit. But at the same time, like, he's been such a casual, goofy, fun-loving guy that I really can't see the dynamic that he would have with the Dark Order. I mean... I mean, I guess he's the kind of versatile guy that he can pull off anything, but I'll just be interested to see. Because eventually, what does that do, right? If he makes a turn back to a babyface, does it elevate him? Or does, you know, like, how, how do they work that? Are they going to have it where he defeats, you know, Brody Lee eventually? You don't know. So, like, what is what is the positive outcome for him to do that? Yeah, and you know what? If he does end up joining Dark Order, I can really, in my mind, see it's almost like a Daniel Bryan joining the Wyatt family situation. I could see where he plays along with it for a while, and all of a sudden, boom, he turns his face again and defeats Brody Lee. Uh, so we'll see what plays out with that. But, Keith, we got to get to our main event here uh, from AEW Dynamite. Jungle Boy versus the American Nightmare Cody for the TNT Championship. And this match did not disappoint, Keith. So much high-flying action going through tables. It really solidified that Jungle Boy is going to be a superstar. He's only 22 years old, Keith. What do you think about Jungle Boy's future here, even though he did ultimately lose to Cody? It doesn't matter if he lost. The future is so bright. 22 years old, he came into that match with almost no show of nerves. Uh, he delivered a classic match with a veteran. And you could you could tell at the very end of the match, I mean, we can pull back the curtain. We all know that they, that, that, you know, we know the scripted part, but you could see at the very end with them laying both motionless, Cody had his arm draped over um, you know, his head, and you could tell that he was saying, Encur you know, he had to be encouraging the guy like crazy. And then, of course, they went back and, and really gave the stamp of approval. But you could tell that Cody was just lighting him up with praise as they were laying there because they put a, he put on a great match. And, of course, you know, MJF, little, you know, little shades. I mean, the crowd interaction is so good. It's like having a lumberjack situation that actually makes sense. Yeah, and you know what, Keith? It's it's kind of sad to say, but I'm going to miss it. When everything comes back to normal, when the crowd's coming back, I'm going to miss seeing that part of the show. It's so entertaining. Um, Jungle Boy ultimately, you know, losing, of course. We, we all kind of figured that. But I think Jungle Boy, if he's really going to excel, he's really going to take that big push, he's going to get have to get rid of the Jungle Boy gimmick. He's going to have to go to Jack Perry. He's going to have to break away from Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. I think that's going to have to happen eventually on good terms, I hope, because he is such a good athlete. He's so unbelievable at what he does in the ring. But Keith, really quickly before we move on, it was announced that Fighter Fest will be broadcast over two nights. Night one is going to be Wednesday, July 1st, and night two is going to be Wednesday, July 8th. So it's going to be a two-week event where every AEW championship will be on the line live and free on TNT. So you don't have to pay for this, guys. We can we can watch it. And we can enjoy it like we always uh, do with AEW. So that's good to hear. Going on now, we're gonna have to move on, guys. We got a packed show and a very limited time to do it. So let's get going. Nia Jax, Keith. We have, we've been talking about Nia Jax a lot over the past couple of weeks, but she's injured Kyrie Sane uh, from this past week's Raw. 
jacks through Sane face first into the steel's ring steps, causing a big gash on the top of her head. Now, WWE did not show the stoppage of the of the match during the broadcast of Raw when she uh, met with the medical staff and stopped the bleeding. So, Jax has a history of injuring people, Keith. What are we going to do with this? How are we going to solve this? What's going to have to change for her to keep going the way she's going and be a true competitor without injuring people so much? So I think the only two options are to release her or to to take her off the air and legitimately send her to a developmental place because this is getting out of control. I'm not a wrestler. I've never done pro wrestling. I can't pretend to know the level of skill that it goes in with doing that. But she has reached the point where it's just too many times. Uh, I've been watching on Twitter. They have uh, they have like what would Steve Mo- uh, what would Mongo do next or something like that. It shows you how Steve Mongo McMichael was always a just a poor performer and really awkward and dangerous. You know, so I think she needs that same situation where it's time to go away and really learn how to work. Uh, Bret Hart has gone on record saying that he doesn't think he's ever. Uh, injured an opponent in his, his whole entire career. There are guys that can really, and Brock Lesnar, as big as he is, people have said he's he treats the, he he treats them like a baby. Why can't she? Yeah, Jax definitely has a history of injuring people, including the memorable Becky Lynch bloody broken nose uh, on Monday Night Raw. And like you said, it's kind of shades of Ultimate Warrior, Goldberg, hurting people in the ring. So maybe a developmental program will help Nia Jax because I think she really could be something special. You know, she comes from that Anoa family, you know, with Roman Reigns, the Usos, whatnot. She's a big girl. I mean, that's why she's on TV. She's a big girl. Um, Hopefully she can just maybe take it back a notch and go from the ground up and start fresh uh let's hope that for nia jacks but right now this injuring people has to stop because it's getting a little out of hand here ladies and gentlemen this is former nwa champion tim storm you are listening to big's tag don't miss this this is the real deal guys moving on uh, we're going to be talking about the anniversary of TNA's debut of Impact on Fox Sports Net. Just about, oh, I don't know, maybe what, 16 years ago? So FSN gave TNA a one-hour time slot to perform. Now, after 51 shows, TNA's contract did expire with FSN in May of 2005. It was not rego- renegotiated, and the last episode aired uh, from FSN was May 27th. 2005 and the show gave superstars like aj styles cm punk jeff hardy and samoa joe a chance to shine on national television now keith just go go ahead and break down what tna was doing at the time so it was a really cool thing and it happened today like today is the anniversary as we record this so they got on fox sportsnet fsm and they actually had a sports feel to it they had a match countdown ticker uh, at the top then the bottom of the screen they had a ticker at the bottom that gave sports scores from the day so it had like a a sports center feel a espn feel to it and it made the the competition feel like it is like an actually an athletic event uh they had the six-sided ring which no one has seen before and uh we can talk about this later but i think that they that six-sided ring grew out of the idea of like uh, toy marketing so you know it has it has its roots in the idea of how can we be different um, but people that we know now, check out the the roster that was on this card. Um, I'll just give a few names: Petey Williams, 
Bobby Roode, Eric Young, Abyss, Shark Boy, James Storm, Chris Harish, Kid Cash, AJ Styles, Ron Killings, that's R-Truth Kids, all right? Frankie Kazarian, Raven, Sabu. I mean, this was a stacked situation back then, and it was so cool to see an alternative uh, to the WWE at the time. So I remember, actually remember making sure I was home to watch this. I was very excited. Right, you know, uh, that was kind of the start of where TNA and Impact Wrestling got big. Uh, They went ultimately to Spike TV for so many years where they got ultra famous. Uh, I was too young at the time to remember anything. I was only four years old, and I didn't start watching wrestling until 2007. But TNA has definitely left its mark uh, on the wrestling world, and it started 16 years ago today. Well, guys, it's time. What we've all been waiting for, it's going to be our interview about the new Retro Mania wrestling video game. And we're going to be talking with none other than Mike Herman, the team lead for the game. And that interview is right now. mentioned it earlier in the show we are here to talk a little bit about retro mania wrestling and who better to talk with than the team lead we got mike herman on mike how you doing man great guys thanks for having me how you guys doing oh man we're so excited i know keith is keith just you you've been waiting for this all week right absolutely uh i'm really excited because wrestlefest was the game that i probably spent uh, a small fortune on as a kid. Uh, my parents could have probably purchased something uh, nice for themselves, but instead I kept grabbing their money and playing WrestleFest. It was one of my favorite games of all time. And then what do I find out? That there's a game out called Retromania Wrestling, and then it's the the actual sequel to WrestleFest. So Mike, talk to us, man. I got to know, like, like, how did this come about? Yeah, so much like yourself, I just loved WrestleFest growing up. Um, you know, it came out, I was in 1991, so I was about 15, 16 years old at the time, and it was in our local arcade, and I played a ton of it. And then, actually, I went to, like, a, a private Catholic school, and my buddy who went, my best friend went to public school, which I went through up through eighth grade. But when I had a lot more days off than him, so every time I had a day off, he would skip school, and we would go to the mall and play, basically play WrestleFest. We played a little bit of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Simpsons. Uh, x-men the arcade game but most of the time was spent on wrestlefest um and then you know he later got a job at an arcade and i got a little bit of a hookup so i got some free tokens out of it too but just playing a ton of wrestlefest um and you know i loved i love the 2d wrestling games you know and once the 3d era hit no one was really going back and revisiting that with all the retro stuff that's going on and all everything else that's going on with games and you know remakes and hd remakes and everything else 2d wrestling didn't really get any love uh there's obviously the fire pro series which i'm a big fan of um but that's still i wanted something more arcade like pick up and play quick uh quick to get into 
Uh, and since no one else was was making it, I got to a point where, you know what, I'll do it myself. Yeah, yeah, Mike. And we're, we're so happy you're doing this because you're giving people, wrestling fans like Keith, an opportunity to relive their childhood game. And you're giving people like me a chance to, you know, play something different. But I want to go over the roster really quickly with you, Mike. Tell us a little bit about why you chose the people you did, the superstars for the game, because you have the former tag team champions at the time of the original game, the road warriors, you know, you have them in there, but you also have some NWA guys. You have John Morrison, you got Zach Ryder, Cole Cabana. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the things I really wanted to hit on is I like all eras of wrestling. I like the old stuff for me. It was like in the seventies. That was like, you, I didn't see much of that. I kind of got the very telltale end of that. 80s is what I grew up on, like that 80, 84, 85, 86, kind of the WrestleMania boom. Um, that whole era is really what I grew up on. Then you hit the Attitude Era in the 90s, late 90s, um, you know, and then up till today. And we got, I think, a, kind of a little bit of a resurgence up before the whole world changed. But of all these indie federations coming up, AEW starting up, NWA getting more prominent again, and then you got Impact, Ring of Honor, and all these new places. So, I really wanted my game to span everything. Now, I was somewhat limited as far as it could only put so many. I only had a budget to put so many wrestlers in. But I wanted to just kind of show that hopefully we can get some legs underneath this project and continue to support it after we launch. And any, but you never know who's going to pop up in Retromania. And that's kind of what the theme I wanted to go with, where we have a very, you're right, we have a very eclectic, unique roster where you might never see Austin Idol go against Zack Sabre Jr., you know, two completely different eras, two completely styles, you know, and then throw Jeff Cobb and Warhorse and then go back to Tommy Dreamer and the Blue World Order. We're all over the time timeline and we're all over different uh, federations as well. Yeah, I, I love that. I've, I've told people all the time, you know, it's it's this is the time to be a wrestling fan because there are so many awesome promotions out that you can catch in different formats. I mean, we can't keep up half the time with what we, you know, like trying to watch something, you know, it, it'd be too much time commitment every week to watch all the great stuff that goes out. So I, I do appreciate that you have a diverse roster like that. And uh, we also noticed that you have a uh, storyline mode and you have the 10 pounds of gold you know, the, the classic NWA belt. So tell us a little bit about how that came to be. And you got, you know, Nick Aldis, the current, still the current champion. So, you know, as, as of, you know, press time. So talk to us a little bit about how that came to be. Yeah. So um, a gentleman that works with me uh, by the name of Mike Archer, Mike has a lot of industry experience and in video game development and in uh, wrestling. Cause he worked for the WWE as well. So Mike actually knew Dave Lagana from previous work experience at WWE. So when, when Mike came on board, he got a call in with David. We had a couple conference calls, worked everything out, and we were able to get the NWA on board. And then our, obviously our next logical target was just signing up Nick Aldis um, as well. So I think, you know, our, this is our 10 pounds of gold mode. You got to fight through to get the champ. It's kind of the equivalent of the Saturday night's main event mode, except ours is a single player versus a tag team mode. Um, we have we have other ideas for our tag team mode um, that won't be in at launch. Obviously, you can play tag team mode matches at launch, no problem. But that kind of uh, uh, kind of ladder type match, we have another idea for that, um, and we're we're going to hopefully have an announcement about that shortly after launch. Right, and, and, and you know, Mike, on the website on RetroManiaWrestling.com, you say that if the game does have success, which we really hope it does, because it seems really awesome. 
you're going to add another game mode, uh, one that I grew up on, GM mode. And I, I loved playing GM mode. It was my favorite mode on SmackDown versus Raw 2008. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that if you do end up putting that in the game. Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't have too many details, but we're working with another developer, actually, on that. We're in early talks. Uh, someone who has something in the mobile space currently that would really has a good synergy with what we're doing. Um, so we're, we're looking, we've been talking on and off for a couple months now of, of you know, we're, we're kind of laying the groundwork. So when the time comes, we're both ready to work on it. We can kind of jump into it. But we, we he is a pretty feature-rich GM experience on mobile that we'd want to add to, um, you know, our our uh, our and our basically gameplay engine, so to speak. So nothing's concrete yet around that, but we definitely have we have we have tons of uh, features and wrestlers and a ton of stuff we would love to get the opportunity to add to the game. Right. You know, there's always room for development if, if it does become successful. Uh, we're going to go over these match types really quick. You got, you know, your singles and your tag teams, but then you get a little bit uh, bigger. You get your six-man tags, your eight-man tags, and even you got a retro rumble. Um, and can you go over really quickly about the steel cage and how that came to be, you know, bringing back the old blue steel cage and whatnot? Yeah, so the, I loved I loved the cage match in WrestleFest, but it was limited. You couldn't, and Keith knows, like all you could do was Irish whip them into the, into it, and that was it. So it was almost more of annoying because I like doing Irish whip moves. Like my favorite move in the game is a power slam. Was it in the original WrestleFest? Outside of maybe the DDT, but outside of finishers, I love the way that power slam looked. I, it was very satisfying doing it every time. And when you took it out of the cage match, it was kind of annoying. But we, our cage is a little more interactive than that. Like we can climb to the top of ours and do moves off of it. So if you can, whatever move your wrestler has off the top rope, you can do off the top of the cage as well. Um, and then you can also do things like ram the opponent's head into the into the cage as well. So we have a little more of an interactive cage. Um, and then in addition to the big blue one from WrestleFest, we added like that classic NWA style chain link fence. And we actually have a couple other uh, things we haven't shown yet. A couple other fence uh just artwork style stuff that'll fit in with the rest of our arenas. Uh, and then one other quick thing on that. So interestingly enough, we've shown some videos of how the cage kind of appears in the game. And it was just, we were originally going to have this slow descent from the, from the top, like it was lowering. And then we didn't have all the art assets done, like the cables and everything. So that my lead programmer just decided to drop it and make it bounce. And right at the start of the match, and we actually, everyone uh, internally love that and then we posted something on twitter and people were just like i'll oh, leave it in leave it in leave it in so that's how we kind of decided to implement the cage match it actually made it easier for us as far as getting in and out of the cage we can just have everybody climb into the cage and then drop it on them so saved us a little time on the development front this sounds absolutely amazing by the way i'm like really really pumped up to try this game like there's so many extra nuances going on and it sounds like you you guys pretty much thought of everything. Now, you you said there's going to be, I, I think you said nothing's for sure, right? Anything can happen in the world of Retromania wrestling. Uh, with, the, with bringing back the Road Warriors, my question to you was, you know, because they were iconic. Uh, they were super double tough. I used to play as um, Mr. Perfect and Ted DiBiase. Uh, you know, I called it Perfect Money or something silly, you know. Um, you know, but, but I, I played to, and, you know, to get all the way up there. And they were, they were, incredibly difficult to beat i mean just a fan just like the regular road warriors you know um just smash you so did you did you all take uh 
cues from the old game? Did you update anything with them? Or, you know, like, what's it going to feel like when, when you reach them? So, yeah, we made a lot of changes. It's not just WrestleFest. Um, so a lot of the things uh, that you have to take into account, WrestleFest, there were some specific de- design decisions they did just to get you to put quarters in. What you just described was one of them, right? So the Legion of Doom had double the amount of health and did double the amount of damage to you. It's basically required, unless, you know, there's some people online that can do it. I can't get through on one quarter. Like, I can't get through the whole game into the Legion of Doom. I think I can get up to the Legion of Doom on one quarter, but I can't beat them with one, you know? So there's specific design decisions like that that we just, you know, we're doing a console game. So you don't really need, no one's sticking quarters into the game. So, you know, the, the thing on MAME, when you play it on an emulator or something, you can just hit a button to get more tokens and you don't have that challenge. So we definitely needed different ways to make it challenging without just forcing you to put money into the game. So we've we've changed the way the, the game plays um, fairly substantially because the other, a couple of the other things like on WrestleFest, the way the move progression worked, you were forced to do a, like I, my guy, I did use Million Dollar Man because I love Million Dollar Dream. I also use Jake the Snake. They're the two I typically use. And um, But with, like, Jake, for example, you could do a body slam or a snapmare at the start of a match. And then the, it would, the system would dictate when you move to a side slam, you know, or a, a side suplex, I'm sorry. And then it would dictate when you could do the DDT. So we have uh, the idea of a momentum meter in our game. So if you want to play it that way, you actually have the option. You can start with no momentum at all. And you won't be able – you can try to do the other moves. There's a very slim chance you'd pull it off. Uh, like uh, if you try to do your finisher right off the bat, it's very rare. Um, but your momentum will build up, and you can progress the match if you want. Now, we, it's all user-definable, though. though. I personally like playing with the momentum all the way up, right from the bat. And I'll do the moves, but, like, I just control – like I'll, I'll even though the momentum's up, I'll still start with just a body slam, and I'll kind of work my way up mentally um through the match but everybody plays a little bit differently so we basically are leaving it up to to the players to decide how they want to play the game so we definitely have that momentum build in our game but it's kind of up to the player if they want to use it or not um and then other things you know like the retro rumble you mentioned that match type it's one of the things annoying and you'll know about playing wrestlefest you could go in if you run at somebody they do a backdrop and you're out of the game or if you lose the grapple they'll body slam you right out right from the beginning so that was stuff again designed for you to just put quarters in the game right so we kind of we've been doing a lot of tweaking especially as of late because we had a move where uh, if you clothesline somebody near the ropes you would they carry them out of the ring and i could beat the royal rumble real quickly i could clothesline everybody out so we had to make tweaks of that to to make it so it's challenging to actually defeat um, a lot of wrestlers in the Rumble now. I'll tell you what, though, i got to be honest. i got to respect WrestleFest for that because it would just be like the regular Rumble, right? You know, you, you could go over at any moment, but you're right. It was, it was a quarter grab. Uh, speaking of upgrades, what I noticed, too, you know, everything was really generic, and you know, and it was 91. Uh, but when, when you walked into the arena, right? You guys have updated the arenas even. So talk talk to us about the different, oh, the places you can go. Tell, tell us about that in, uh, in Retromania. Yeah, so I have a really talented environmental uh, pixel artist on board. Corey Annis is his name. And his work is just amazing. So we started with kind of a lookalike of the WrestleFest one. 
And then I said, what else can we do? So one of the wrestlers we got on was Stevie Richards. So one of the first ones we did was he wanted one part of uh, his deal to agree to come on was he wanted his branding in the game somehow. And he's like, just put a logo somewhere or, you know, a banner on the wall. And I'm like, oh, we can do better than that. So I said, Corey, we need a gym. So he animated people working out. Stevie Richards is big on resistance bands. So we have a whole section of people doing resistance bands training in there. And it's really just a completely unique arena. Uh, then we have the House of Hardcore. We kind of re redid the something similar to the old uh, ECW arena. Uh, so we have that look. We have a ballroom type of look. We have high school gymnasiums in there that we haven't even shown yet. We have some uh, something that looks like something that came out of Japan in there. Uh, we have Hell, which we just tweaked the other night. Um, Warhorse, actually, uh, the, who won our Indie Mania tournament. So that's how he got in our game. We had this social media Indie Mania tournament, and it was, uh, you know, basically a popularity contest among the Indie Mania indie independent wrestlers, and Warhorse ended up winning. And he sent me this sketch, I think he did on a whiteboard, of can you make this as an arena? And it was like way off the wall, off the beaten path kind of thing. And I'm like, let's try it and let's see what happens. And Corey just knocked it out of the park. It looks incredible. So, you know, what we want to do eventually, I don't think at launch we won't have everyone with a unique arena. Uh, we have a lot of them, though. I mean, we're going to have over 10 distinct arenas and entrances in the game. And we want to keep adding to that. So eventually every wrestler in the game has kind of a home arena, like a fighting game, almost like Street Fighter. That You know, that's great, Mike, because – um, it's going to be a little bit different where, you, you know, it's kind of like you're the home team, you know, when you play as a certain character and you're fighting in your house, you know, but I really quickly, I want to talk about, uh, title belts, right? So in the game, you're going to have the NWA world heavyweight championship, the NWA tag team titles and the house of how hardcore television championship. Um, but on your website, it says, will you be able to create custom championships? And the reply is just like a potential creative wrestler option, uh, this will be dependent on if the game has support. So if you do end up making a creative wrestler option, and, and and even if you include this new creative title, would that play into maybe like a story mode or something? Could you play as your creative character in the story mode if that's possible? I, it's not possible now. So our story mode right now is you start your Johnny Retro because he kind of fit, the name kind of fit the game and, we decided we'd just write a story with Johnny Retro. Now, I, I would love, like, it would be great to turn this into a, a create a suite option, too, as well. Or at a minimum, like, one isn't necessarily exclusive of the other. So, or independent, one is independent, can be independent of it. So we could do, like, a title, custom title belt mode that you can use and defend is a simpler add than a Cole Creator Wrestler suite, right? So we can we can look at doing some of that stuff, maybe a little bit lower hanging fruit, so to speak, from a programming standpoint, to get even a creator ring or or just to re redo graphics on the ring itself and ring aprons is an easier ad than a whole blown creator wrestler. The creator wrestler is such a big undertaking just because the number of animations you need to get in um, in the game to make it worthwhile. You know what I mean? But so yeah, like. Uh, but anything, anything, like I said, as long as we're successful, I'm totally, this is a passion project for me. I want to make the ultimate WrestleFest, you know, when it boils down to it. What I would have just gone crazy if they released uh, WrestleFest on like the Super Nintendo or the Genesis at the time and made these changes to it. And luckily, we don't have any of the constraints that they had back then as far as number of colors, palettes, number of wrestlers on screen. We can throw all that out the window. So 
I, I may sound like a little bit like a broken record, but if if we're successful, there's a ton more stuff we would like to add to it. That's exciting, by the way. I, I'm I'm obviously I'm hoping you guys are successful because I want to see what the what the next levels are. Um, just real quick, any any reason why why do we never see WrestleFest on a platform? Like why did it, why did it just mainly stick to arcades? Yeah, so the at the time the answer LJN had the rights to the WWF in the, in the U.S. Actually, actually no, they had the rights completely all consoles. I, I take that back. So um, Technos of Japan did not have the rights to the home consoles, so they couldn't port it. And I'm not sure how it would have been pretty tough to port that to begin with. Those sprites are really big, and having six wrestlers on screen. I don't even know if those super did they have six? They might only they might have had six, but the sprites were a lot smaller and looked very similar. All the animations were very similar in those games. Uh, but fast forward to now, why there hasn't been a re-release or like an arcade one-up, which you think would be perfect for something like that. Arc System Works owns the rights to the Technos library, but doesn't own the rights to the characters of WWF. So Arc and WWE would have to get together. And then even then, WWE doesn't own all the rights to the characters outright anyway. Like Hogan's his own entity, right? So you'd have to get Hogan involved as well. And not that that can't be done, because that's exactly what 2K does with Hogan and the WWE. It's just a matter of, uh, I don't think that that code may be easily portable, may be another issue. Because unlike other other games and other engines, you see like, uh, I know a lot of people mod the N64 games, right? And there's a ton of mods out there. There's just something I saw, a WCW, new WCW pack was recently released for, um, I think for No Mercy mods. But you don't see any WrestleFest mods because it's really difficult to do. Um, so that's there's a bunch of reasons for it. I mean, I would have loved to, I was so excited when that 2012 um, iPad game was announced and it just was, you know, I, I was disappointed in it. Right. And, and Mike, um, before we wrap it up here, I just want you to talk a little bit uh, to our younger viewers here and our younger listeners. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty easy for you guys to rep your game with people like Keith who've played the original so what do you have to say for the younger generation who hasn't heard of this game, hasn't played it? Because I know, I think you have kids yourself playing it, right? So just give us a little brief overview of why they should invest in this game. Well, I think, you know, kids are drawn. How many kids that you have play quick uh, Angry Birds? Like the mobile market is filled with casual games. And this is more on that casual front where it's a pick up and play type of game. You don't have to invest a ton of times. So like we're after, like my, my kids actually aren't even big wrestling fans. But I've got, I forced them to play it initially, but they found fun playing Retromania just because it's easy to do the moves. The moves look cool. It's easy. There's an easy bar and there's no barrier to entry. You can pick it up. Like even when I play the 2K games, it takes me a while to figure out what, what I'm doing. You know, I don't know how to do the stuff I want to do yet. And I think I would have loved that when I had a lot more time to play games. But now where my time is, is more valuable, where I have other things I'm doing as well, I don't have that time. So um just it's easy to pick up and play you'll be familiar with the road wars but it's pixel art style even if you don't know any of the characters it's fun to play with your friends and beat each other up you know what i mean so it's just an easy easy to get into and easy to play um and it's fun that's a big thing and that's what every design decision we've made has come across does this make this game more or less fun and it's just a fun game to play yeah it definitely looks like it's going to be a really interesting, cool, relaxing fight game. You know, it bring us back to a little bit of nostalgia uh, for people like Keith. Uh, but Retro Mania Wrestling, 
is available for pre-order on the Nintendo Switch and PC stream. But due to everything uh, right now, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One will come later uh, before the launch date, which is hopefully going to be in July. So July-ish. There we go. From Mike, July-ish. So you can go to RetromaniaWrestling.com to pre-order and to get more information on the game. Mike, this is awesome, man. You really made our day by coming on here, and hopefully a lot of our listeners will invest in this game. I know I will. I know Keith will. So, Mike, thank you for being here, man. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Again, that was Retromania Wrestling, uh, available for pre-order for the Nintendo Switch and PC Stream. Well, there you have it, guys. That was our interview with Retromania Wrestling team lead Mike Herman. We can't thank him enough for being on and and promoting his game. Uh, this is going to be an exciting game for all wrestling fans, new and 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 classic and older wrestling fans. So this is going to be great. But guys, we're going to get into our weekly trivia question here on Mixtag. And guys, we had a an interesting week with this question. So last week's question was just like Laparca was the chairman of WCW, who was the self-proclaimed chairman of AEW? Your options were Cody, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, Sean Spears or Joey Janela and Keith for the first time in mixed tag history, we did not receive an answer in time. So since we didn't get a, a, a reply, Keith, why don't you go ahead and take a guess? I don't know if you guys can hear, but Rocky, the luchador wonder dog is upstairs and he is trying to answer the question, but I'm going to answer the question. Uh, the answer I believe is Sean Spears, Sean Spears, the chairman of AEW. Keith, you are correct. You are correct. You guessed Sean Spears. And you know what, guys? Even if you didn't try to answer the question and you guessed Sean Spears, you're correct, too. Uh, If you want to answer our trivia questions, you can email us at mixtagshow at gmail.com. And here's this week's question. Here we go. Who won the first ever WWE Elimination Chamber match? Was it A, Shawn Michaels, B, Triple H, C, Chris Jericho, or D, Rob Van Dam? If you want to answer this question and get a shout out live on the air, email us at mixtagshow at gmail.com. But guys, this was an awesome episode. We went a little bit retro. We went a little bit current. Keith, I knew you were excited about today and it ultimately did not disappoint. But guys, we have to go. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just make sure you show your support. You can share our stuff all around social media. We would greatly appreciate that. Once again, my name is Jared Watson, alongside the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Keith White. Thank you guys for listening. We're out.